My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. We share a common group of experiences. How I think of it is often to do with non-standard ways of processing information, be it sensory, motor, communication, or social information. And autistic people are a subset of neurodivergent people, people who diverge away from the norm or what is considered typical for brains and minds. So neurodivergent people could include autistic people, ADHD. That's the voice of Vivian Lee. Vivian, Iris Parker, and Allie are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Vivian is an autistic, multiply disabled, queer settler of Cantonese heritage and a child of refugees who lives in the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Iris is a white, autistic, and multiply disabled settler living in the unceded territory of the Comox First Nation on Vancouver Island, and Ali is a white, autistic person living in the unceded territory of the Coquitlam First Nation. All three are organizing collective members of Autistics United Canada. Today's guests and many other autistic people understand autism as a form of neurodivergence, a term that also encompasses things like ADHD, mental illness, developmental disabilities, and anything else where people's minds work in ways that don't fit dominant norms. Autism in particular is about processing information differently than what we're told to see as standard. According to Vivian, autistic people are often regarded as if they're just a quote-unquote pile of deficits. But Iris said, quote, we have our own completely functional way of doing things. It's just different, end quote. In the context of the social model of disability, where it is an ableist world that oppresses people whose bodies and minds don't function in the ways we're told they're supposed to, they also understand themselves as disabled. In Canada, particularly until very recently, most organizations related to autism have primarily been led by and centered parents of autistic people and or professionals, while autistic people themselves have been kept marginal. According to today's guests, this is a major problem because such organizations often take positions about what's best for autistic people that many autistic people themselves would vigorously disagree with. Originally a chapter of the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, Autistics United Canada is a grassroots collective of autistic youth and adults that became its own organization in 2017. Since that time, they've been adding provincial chapters and local hubs in different parts of the country, and they're in the process of moving towards a more collectivist and horizontal organizing structure. Their core activities cover three broad areas. Advocacy, mutual aid and peer support, and education. Their advocacy has involved participating in consultations and lobbying related to legislation and policies that affect the lives of autistic people in particular and disabled people more generally. They've also organized protests, participated in campaigns led by other organizations, and taken part in Days of Action. Whether it is in the meeting room or on the streets, a common theme in their advocacy is pushing to give autistic people greater control over policy decisions that affect their lives. Crucially, this includes opposition to practices like seclusion, restraint, and applied behavior analysis, or ABA. 
Many autism-related organizations not led by autistic people support such measures, but in Vivian's words, they, quote, cause trauma and harm, end quote. Their mutual aid and peer support work includes organizing online social events and other kinds of online spaces for autistic people and sometimes for other neurodivergent people and allies. They work to connect people with resources and support individuals engaged in crisis fundraising efforts. And they participate in celebratory events like the International Day of the STEM, which took place on September 17th. Stimming is a general term for a range of repetitive behaviors that some autistic people use for calming or grounding themselves or for other purposes. In their educational activities, they have offered a range of different workshops and produced resource guides aimed at autistic people themselves, as well as caregivers, parents, and professionals. This has included efforts to build the capacity among autistic people to advocate for themselves. Ultimately, Autistics United is committed to disability justice politics, a framework that originated among black and other racialized disabled organizers in the United States. It is a radically transformative vision, and one that, according to Vivian, sees disability struggles as essentially bound together with, quote, racial justice, deaf liberation, fat liberation, police and prison abolition, queer and trans liberation, anti-capitalism, and environmental justice. I speak with Vivian, Iris, and Ali about the work of Autistics United Canada. Uh, and in today's interview, there are points where Vivian speaks, and there are other points where Iris reads words that Vivian has typed. And it's always clearly indicated when Iris is speaking for Vivian rather than on her own behalf. I'm Allie. I'm a 26-year-old white autistic person living on the unceded territories of Coast Salish peoples, including the Coquitlam First Nation, which is within the shared territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, Salative, Stolo, Stemuous, and Kekite Nations in the province colonially known as British Columbia. I have been an organizing collective member of Autistics United since 2016, and I have an undergraduate degree in applied psychology from Douglas College, a certificate in craft beer and brewing essentials from Simon Fraser University, and I am currently working on a certificate in business management. I think for me, what predisposed me to getting involved in grassroots organizing was the fact that there wasn't a lot of other autistic-led organizations. When I got involved back in 2016, I was not really involved much in advocacy, but I always wanted to be involved in advocacy, and joining like a larger organization just seemed like too much. I'm Iris. I'm a white, autistic, and multiply disabled 38-year-old. And I respectfully acknowledge that I am living on the unceded traditional territory of the Comox First Nation on Vancouver Island. I'm also a parent, and I have been an organizing collective member of Autistics United Canada for about three years now. I'm currently starting at SFU and going to North Island College to become a community support worker. I've always been quite frustrated with the differences between the disability community and the disabled community because often they're vastly different things. And I found the experience to be very similar within the autism community and the autistic community. And I was just really inspired to make sure that autistic people are being ensured the rights that we're entitled to. Getting into advocacy for me, it just wasn't an option to not do that. I had to, I felt compelled. And this community has been so kind and so wonderful to me. And I feel like I need to pay that back. 
I'm Vivian. I am an autistic, multiply disabled queer settler occupying stolen territories of Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. I'm Cantonese. My parents were refugees from Vietnam, and I'm one of the organizing collective members at Autistics United Canada. I've been part of the group since around 2015. Currently, I'm studying neuroscience at SFU, and I'm part of research as an undergrad there on autism acceptance, mental health, sensory issues, and communication. Autistics United Canada is a grassroots collective of autistic youth and adults across the country. We are one of the few entirely autistic-led organizations in so-called Canada, representing thousands of members. We've been slowly building and expanding with additional provincial chapters and local hubs, creating support networks. And now we're focusing on promoting display justice and creating connections by and for autistic people. Our membership is fairly diverse. Generally, our values are in line with the 10 principles of display justice um, as put forward by Patty Byrne and others at Simply Valid. And we're slowly trying to incorporate more of these values in following through with them in our actions and advocacy alongside things like transformative justice, restorative justice. To expand on what Iris said, the differences between like, disability, disabled communities, and autism and autistic communities, the former disability, autism, often are led by non-disabled people, parents, caregivers, professionals, and the latter, disabled, autistic. It's nothing about us without us. It's by and for actual autistic and otherwise disabled people and neurodivergent people. And that's the really big thing that drew me towards grassroots organizing as well, outside of the nonprofit industrial complex, is to organize collectively, directly with other disabled, neurodivergent folks. Because what we often say is good and beneficial and what is bad and harmful differs from these big organizations that sometimes promote eugenics, sometimes promote behavioral interventions that cause trauma and harm. Well, oftentimes they promote this. And finding a community that actually gets it and that is willing to just do mutual aid and peer support has been really meaningful for me. Another thing that drew me towards grassroots organizing is it's where a lot of transformative work is being done, where we're looking towards community-based solutions that are non-punitive, non-carceral, that don't rely on state solutions for justice, but in fact bring justice towards to all communities without causing more violence and harm. Maybe talk a bit about what autism is. How most autistic people see autism is we see it as like a different way of thinking from the norm. In fact, a term for autistic people that we often use is neurodivergent, which just means that your brain or mind is different from like the neurotypical way of thinking. Autistic people, we share a common group of experiences. How I think of it is often to do with non-standard ways of processing information, be it sensory, motor, communication, or social information. And autistic people are a subset of neurodivergent people, people who diverge away from the norm or what is considered typical for brains and minds. So neurodivergent people could include autistic people, ADHDers, people with mental illnesses, people with other developmental disabilities. 
So many, many different ways of how human diversity expresses itself in brains and minds. There's a common saying that we use that we are different, not less. And a lot of autistic people believe in the neurodiversity paradigm. That's basically the belief that there are all kinds of minds. There's a full diversity of human brains, just as there is any other form of diversity within humanity. And for a lot of autistic people, we just look at autism as a variation of normal. It's not that we don't see it as a disability because it's absolutely a disability, especially under the social model of disability. But in a lot of ways, we have our own completely functional way of doing things. It's just different. What are the origins of Autistics United? AUC was founded out of the desire to bring autistic people together, to collectively advocate for our rights, and to provide mutual aid and peer support for each other, and to connect autistic advocacy movements to disability justice movements. We are one of the few entirely autistic-led organizations in Canada. But originally, we started out as a separate affiliate chapters of the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, also known as ASAN, in Vancouver and Winnipeg. But in 2017, ASAN added their chapter model, and we became our own entity as Autistics United Canada. Since then, we have been slowly building and expanding with additional provincial chapters and local hubs, creating support networks and transitioning away from the chapter leader model we inherited from ASAN and into a more collectivist, horizontal organizing structure. Here in Canada, there's not many autistic-led groups. We're fairly behind compared to other places like the UK and the US, both in terms of where government's policy is at, and similarly grassroots organization, autistic-led activism, even disabled-led activism, has been slow in Canada compared to other countries. When we first started, there was almost nothing, just parent and professional-led organizations, really which is a shame because a lot of them don't meaningfully consult and actively include autistic people, particularly in positions of power where they can actually make decisions and inform what each organization is doing. But it is through the advocacy of autistic people that these mainstream autism organizations have slowly started to change, but it's still not good enough and they still do ongoing harm. And that's why I've looked towards grassroots organizations that are led by and for people like us to do this important work, to advocate for our rights, but also to advocate for things outside of what policies and legislation can do to create like mutual aid for each other, to check in with each other, to help each other directly. I feel like that's one of the most important things our organization brings. Give listeners a bit more of an overview of the core activities of Autistics United. We do advocacy, mutual aid and peer support, and finally, education and outreach. In terms of political advocacy, we participate in national and provincial consultations and surveys on legislation impacting disabled folks, such as the accessibility legislation consultations. This is the national one for Accessible Canada Act. We try to act in solidarity with other campaigns. There are lots of many wonderful disabled-led groups doing disability justice work. During the Canadian Academy of Health Sciences' recent consultations to inform a national autism strategy, 
many of our members showed up to oppose the expansion of ABA-based services under a national autism strategy, so ABA meeting applied behavioral analysis. Autistics United Canada strongly opposes ABA in all of its forms. We oppose the involvement of organizations that historically and on an ongoing basis cause harm to autistic people to lead these policy decisions. And because of that, we have concerns that national autism strategy just largely being lobbied by organizations not led by autistic people, which do have that ongoing history of ableist rhetoric and violence, that the NAS will increase the amount of segregatory and traumatizing and violent services like EBA, new institutions. We have concerns that there will be adequate measures to prevent restraint seclusion, to address the schools of prison and special ed to guardianship slash new institution pipelines. There's many, many concerns about who is dictating the policy that's going to arise within the federal government when they're being lobbied by harmful institutions and will we have a say as autistic people. I mentioned ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. Many autistic people oppose ABA because it's widely reported to cause long-term trauma, mental illness, vulnerability to abuse. It's basically like compliance training. There have been some analogies made that it's similar to or even worse to dog training. Its history is also deeply intertwined with eugenics and gay and gender non-conforming conversion therapy. I am speaking for Vivian right now. By standing up against ABA, we are also standing up against the interconnected oppressive systems of violence that uphold ABA, such as ableism, misogyny, white supremacy, colonialism, and eugenics. Behavioral interventions like ABA are in line with other coercive forms of control over autistic and otherwise disabled people, such as restraint and seclusion. Since the pandemic has started, we have done a lot of mutual aid and peer support work. On that side of things, we are currently hosting a monthly online social called Neurodivergent Hangouts. And these are like hangouts where we play and chat. These events are actually open to all neurodivergent people. And these events are hosted on Zoom. We also have some other online groups that we do, such as our Facebook group for Autistic People and Allies, a Discord server. That one is for autistics only. And we also do support and resource referral one-on-one by emailing and messaging. We help people fundraise and we help people in crisis. Mutual aid is actually a very crucial part of what we do, such as like offering and receiving support to each other. Autistic people often face loneliness and discrimination and lack of acceptance from others. This has gotten worse for many people since COVID. That is why at our social events, it is okay to stim. Stimming, by the way, is a behavior that is really important to autistic people. It is like repetitive behavior such as like hand flapping or like rocking back and forth or fidgeting or chewing on things. And then there's also the International Day of the STEM, which is on September 17th. Celebration, I think, is also really important for building a sense of pride and community, for helping reach out to those of us who are isolated, who have been constantly told that they're not worthy, not enough, that they're just a bunch of deficits. To say, I like, know it's okay, like, stemming is okay, it's actually 
good for the most part. Helps calm down, helps self-regulate, helps ground. Great way of expression. Saying that it's okay to stim, it's okay to be autistic. That celebration helps us not only build community, but reach out to community members who have not yet had access to pride spaces, to community spaces. And using social media for the day of protest at CBA and the day of the STEM, that's been really helpful for us in reaching out to people. We're also trying to figure out pandemic pending, how to do more of this stuff in person. Another really important part of our advocacy work is education. We educate communities of autistic people, parents and caregivers, educators, researchers, clinicians, and the public through a mix of workshops, guides, and resource lists. Our most popular workshop is the All Brains Are Beautiful workshop, which is an introduction to neurodiversity and disability justice and can be tailored for different audiences. When we have the funding, we provide the workshops for free for the public. With the federal election, we have made an autistics vote toolkit to help autistics and allies understand how the electoral system and voting process works and how to talk to friends, family, and political candidates about the issues that affect our community. An important thing, too, is that we try to make guides like these as plain language as possible with practical tips as well as suggested resources that are in other languages and geared towards different marginalized groups. The voting in the election and participating in other political processes are not the only thing autistic people and otherwise disabled people can do to improve our lives. It is really important that we vote in a government that listens to autistic people. Another thing that we helped to create was a COVID resource and vaccine resource list with needle anxiety guide to help some of our members that might have difficulties with that. A lot of the resources and guides we make are made with consultation with our members. This also applies to our workshops. The content of the workshop themselves have always been made by our wider membership. The core group of organizing members, while we do have a fairly diverse group, don't represent all autistic experiences. There's so much of us, we all come from various backgrounds. We all have our own unique experience of autism itself. So that's why we're very careful not to say like, this is the authority on what autism is like or what autistic people need. We always remind folks when using our resources or attending our workshops, it's best to directly ask to work one-on-one to ensure that any accessibility process, accommodation process, any way to change the environment, to change policies, that all should be done with direct collaboration. More recently, we've done training for autistic people wanting to be part of this larger movement, basic how-tos for autistic advocacy and activism one-on-one build more capacity, not just within AUC, but also any group of autistic people who want to band together and organize together. What would you say to non-autistic listeners who want to be in solidarity with the various struggles by autistic people that you've talked about today? First of all, all autistic people have very different experiences, and the best thing to do is ask us what we need. And second of all, listen to autistic people. A lot of times, the voices of autistic people are ignored in favor of perspectives from parents and professionals. 
And I would like to tell non-autistic listeners to listen to autistic people on issues about autism. Mainly what I'd want to say to people who are interested in being potential allies to the autistic community is that I would like to invite them to join us in advocating against ableist injustice, segregation, eugenics, and violence that the autistic community faces, and also the overall disability community. For example, by advocating against Bill C-7, banning harmful therapies like ABA across the country, ending seclusion and restraint in medical settings, and pushing for more deinstitutionalization and disrupting the school-to-prison and special ed-to-institution pipelines. Vivian has written, I also want to mention intersectionality and interdependence as important for anyone who wants to be an ally or accomplice. Autistic people often have more than one disability and are part of many disabled communities, and we are better together when we can learn and build with people of all disabilities, especially those who are left out of disability spaces. Disability justice only works if we are working alongside other justice movements like racial justice, deaf liberation, fat liberation, police and prison abolition, queer and trans liberation, anti-capitalism, and environmental justice. No body mind is left behind, sharing disabled creativity, wisdom, and knowledge for everyone's access and everyone's liberation. It's through our connections and relationships to one another that we can sustain ourselves and do this kind of exhausting work and also find healing for ourselves and each other. Ableism as a system devalues body minds based on social constructs like predictivity and intelligence. It's rooted in and deeply connected with other systems of oppression like anti-blackness, colonialism, capitalism. So like to be anti-ableist, you also have to be anti-racist. You also have to work towards decolonization, reconciliation, and like also thinking about larger conversations about harm and violence. To be an ally in terms of not promoting harm and furthering cycles of harm, trying to bring more like restorative and transformative justice into your allying work, that's also I think very important. In sum, you can't just think of autistic people as needing special consideration. To be just, you'd have to think about all of these things all together, all interconnected. You have been listening to my interview with Vivian Lee, Iris Parker, and Ali of Autistics United Canada. To find out more about the group, go to autisticsunitedca.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>